Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Retro Time Podcast. I'm Jeremy. And I'm Derek. Derek, how you living, man? Here again. Here again. I'm living that sweet, sweet dream. What are the odds that you are here and I am here and we're both here and we're recording a podcast? It's just uncanny. Wonderful odds. That's what I say. (laughs) Uh, Derek, so it's been a while since I asked you about your your basketball uh, escapades. So I feel like we got to check in. And uh, right. get get an update. How, how's it going? You guys winning right. yet? For, you hug it out again a, with that big six fans. foot tall yeah, dude? Yeah, for the deep fans. So, yeah. So uh, last game was actually pretty good. Yeah, we do runs. So like you'll do like a game to eleven or whatever, and then run back. Had a pretty strong showing. Um, one of the guys who was like correcting me last time, basically like telling me, uh, "Hey kid, you don't know what you're doing." He's like ten years old, younger correcting than me. You. Yeah, he was nice about it, you know, you know, pretty nice about it. And like, uh, when he say correcting you, what, like you weren't dribbling right, or you? I wasn't like I wasn't like basketball? playing defense right. So I wasn't like guarding the guy right, and it was going the wrong way and shit like that. And um, you're like, dude, anyway, you realize we're hanging out at the YMCA. What do you? What do you? <laughs> I, I, I trust me. I know this is not an NBA <laughs> level game here. So that's that's that. So Derek I had a thought this week. I got to hang out with some people that I work with, a product manager actually, and we got to talking this week about. Uh, users and how, you know, users often uh, don't like to be toyed with, right? They don't like it when you release a thing and it's broken and you got to fix it, right? Or or whatever. And, and it got me thinking about this idea of software as an experiment, right? And we, we talked with Doc a couple of weeks ago. And one of the things that he said was, you know, it is an experiment. You don't know where you're going with it. You you build stuff, you release it, you test it, you iterate, you validate, you release, you iterate, you validate. And it got me thinking about this as software as an experiment, right? Mm-hmm. If if we're the the professors or the scientists doing the experiment, who are the lab rats being experimented on? <laughs> is it the users? Are the users the lab rats? And if so, how do you think users feel about being lab rats? And, and I, I, what got me really thinking about this, too, was when we think about enterprise software, especially software for work, I would say for the most part, those people trying to get their jobs done really aren't interested in being subjects of your experiment. Um, and I'm curious uh, what what you thought about that. This is just sort of a, an interesting thing. Now, I'm not saying by any means that we should be, you know, approaching waterfall and, you know, making sure it's perfect 100% because I know there's there's no such thing as perfect, obviously. But it just got me thinking about this, you know, this idea of just mm-hmm. releasing something, not being sure, testing it, and then getting their feedback. If, if they're trying to get work done and it, it breaks their workflow or their process and it doesn't work, they can't get their job done. Uh, they're not going to be happy, you know, much different from some type of commercial software where you can't send a message to your friends about a party Friday night. Right. So <laughs> it's, it's, it's a little different. So I'm just curious. I don't know. What are, you, what are your thoughts? You got any any, uh, you know, maybe I'm putting you on the spot, but I'm just curious. You got any uh, anything to say about that? I do. Thanks for asking. I, uh, <laughs> I do in this specific instance. So as you were talking, I started to think about like, all right, so we have a few scenarios you could you could you could go into when you experiment with software. You could have nothing, you've done nothing, Mm -hmm. and you're just kind of talking about, man, wouldn't some software be great for these people over here? Mm -hmm. If you're going to do that, then the way I've seen that work best is that you start with an idea and you, as quickly as possible, find someone to partner with that could potentially use it. Mm -hmm. Tell them you're just starting. Keep all about communication. Start out with, all right, 
let's just flow through the concept. And that's when you can use your user experience, experts, people, Jeremy's of the world. Mm -hmm. and, if you, if you're lucky town. enough to have a Jeremy. Oh, yeah. Not everyone's lucky enough to have a Jeremy. But Not everyone yeah. is. And and honestly, I think that might be one of the big problems we have in our society. <laughs> yeah, what, but um, What we need, Derek, I think this is it. We've, if we could figure out how to make more of you and me, <laughs> hmm. and then we could we could sell ourselves and just make a bunch of money. <laughs> clones. Um, just clones. That's what we need, clones. That's it. And 40 that's years of experience. Uh, so, yeah. So when you have that initial, I don't, have, I don't know what I'm going to build – you got to go into it with something. You won't. You don't want to like spend a ton of time and money building something that might be wrong. And so those mm -hmm. cases, your experiment is very isolated, so it's controlled. All good experiments are controlled. You know, if you're thinking like a scientist, and my right. control might be their current process, and the experiment might be the new process, so we can see if it has any value. Once we can see it has value, boom! Now we get the big ideas. Okay, crazy. Now it's like different problems start to ha come at that point. You can no longer ha you can no longer approach it the exact same way you did the first time, because now it's a different animal. Um, mm -hmm. And I think a lot of times we try to treat every situation like it's that first thing, you know, which is why we tend right. to iterate off of MVPs instead of going back and saying, "All right, now we have a broader audience. Now we know it works. What do we need to build to satisfy?" You know, we like we just we were just shown that our idea is valid. Now let's make sure we don't screw it up and just build off some yeah. garbage POC or something like that. Um, yeah. Well, you know, this yeah. is where I go back and I think about this foundational stuff, right? If if uh, experimenting is built into your core philosophy or your core culture of your team, mm -hmm. um, you know, it sort of implies that you have to build your software in a way that allows you to do maybe maybe dynamic sections or something that might be dynamic or injecting dynamic uh, options for things, turn it on and off. Because, you know, maybe feature flags is a good example of this, right? Yeah. So if I uh, am building software, I might want to validate, like you said, with a smaller subset, maybe a group that has agreed to being a subject, being the lab rat, right? Maybe we give them some discount or maybe we give them some incentive to be a lab rat. Um, we could do an A-B test with those small subset and release that to them, let them test it before we go and release it to everybody, right? But I think this goes back to that idea of, you know, building that base MVP half-ass kind of thing that is just quick, dirty, you can't change it. It's not flexible. It's not dynamic. It's not that solid foundation to build a skyscraper on. Um, you know, what if you were building your software in that way that allowed you to do that versus, you know, the half-assed thing? Uh, because that won't let you validate in the future, right, if you don't build those feature flags in very early, right? Or you could. It'd just be very difficult to go back and retrofit, I guess, right? Yeah. Um, so that's kind of like, I don't know, one of the things I was just starting to think about is like, this idea of validation. The other thing I was thinking about too, though, is that validation doesn't have to be validation with the software that has been released, right? It could be a number of other things, right? It could be usability studies. It could be in-person research, observational ethnographic type research where you're watching people do their job. You can, you know, be fairly confident that what you're observing um, it would would be accurate if you were to go build software for it. It'd be, it, it would be a good uh, process. 
um, or, or whatever. Um, so, you know, I think the more I'm thinking about this, like when I thought of this thing about cu- customers as lab rats, it got me thinking about more like deeply, like how do we validate so that we're not doing it in the software, you know, and, and, and having people, especially people who aren't excited about it, aren't, aren't wanting to be, they want maybe the, the stable release, you know, and, and, and what's interesting, I know a lot of people out there are like, well, well, duh, we have betas, you know, I think the thing is there's a lot of companies that do not have beta tests. Like that's something to keep in mind. Like if you're at a company that does beta testing or alpha testing, you are so far ahead of a lot of people because a lot of customers or a lot of companies do not do beta tests. Um, I, I don't know if that's different from your experience, but at least in my experience, it's been sort of something where, you know, maybe, maybe the first release is a beta, but going forward, we don't do beta for new features. We don't do, yeah. you know, that A-B testing for new features. So I don't know. Has that been your experience or, or do you have you, you know, experienced something maybe different? It actually is interesting as you say that because what I've noticed is that in, in the company I work in, a lot of times people will go in with software and release it as a final product and tell everybody it's ready to go and then mark it off. And then, you know, you have your, your riverboat cruise celebration mm-hmm. and everybody pops yeah. the can- champagne <laughs> when in reality they're telling all of the users, this is just a beta test. It might, it might completely fail. Mm-hmm. Like we don't really know. Mm-hmm. In fact, we weren't mm-hmm. even able to test most of this stuff before we put it in production. And we did all this last minute, like this portion of it, whatever. <laughs> yeah, we rushed it through. Um, everyone, everyone stayed, everyone stayed late this week. And, uh, you know, so. Yeah. And that really good. happened. There's, there's uh, last mistakes. year, there was a big release of a product that I was working on. And it was kind of that kind of thing. Like last minute, a million mm-hmm. important things had to happen. And I'm like, oh, there's no way all these things are going to get done correctly. And we'll only find out way later when we realize um, you know, all of these things being slightly off could lead to a bigger issue, you know, and it's like yeah. being upfront about it, saying, you know, hey, we're gonna, we're not gonna roll it out to everybody. You know, we need to isolate a a specific location that's going to be able to validate this for us and let us know. Or, you know, I guess some companies they just feel like the risk is is worth taking. And they need to get the, you know, the software that they're replacing off the books or whatever. And so they just need to go and do it. It's it's a little bit like brute forcing this kind of stuff. Um, mm-hmm. It's not something that they would do. It's not something they would do when they're building like, you know, um, if you're building a refrigerator or a jet engine or anything like you don't cut corners for that. And if you do, that's it does a, a huge um, it could cause a lot of problems. So it's yeah. uh well this goes back yeah. to that like idea. Remember we talked about this some time ago though that manufacturing uh you know the the, the manufacturing right. uh versus software, right? Um when you're manufacturing something you have to make sure you get it right because you can't just release a beta version of a of a refrigerator, right? Because that that refrigerator is going to sit in that person's house for years uh and if it doesn't work, you, you know, you can't just release an update to make it work. You know, it needs it needs to be right the first time. So, you know, this idea, I think one of the things where I was going with this is just maybe, you know, because the idea is that we want we still want to release, not release, releases might be the wrong word. We still want to validate early and often, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think oftentimes, though, what ends up happening with a lot of software teams is that that validation happens when they release it, you know, but that's not the only way to validate. I think that's the thing to keep in mind. That that validation piece, that experimentation piece, it it can happen in a lot of different ways. It doesn't only have to happen uh, at that point where you release to a large set of users, right? Yeah. Um, 
I think that's a great time to validate for sure, but it is not the only time. So, you know, like I said, the feature flags allow you to do the beta tests, setting it up correctly so you can do beta tests for all of your releases and not just, you know, the first release. Um, that's really important. I think the, the getting your UX team involved to do research, understanding who your users are and what they actually do, and not just, I think this is really important too, not just talking to one person and saying, what do they do? The subject matter expert, you know, and what does this person do? What do they, what do they do? You know, this happens a lot in enterprise software. This doesn't happen as often in commercial software, but you know, in the case of, of either of these, making sure that you're going to your personas and understanding who your users are and not just relying on personas, you know, and going and actually talking to users. Uh, Cause sometimes those personas can get out of date, you know, or maybe they're not accurate or maybe there's new information or something that's happened in there um, and really understanding what you're building in the process and, and the context, you yeah. know, these are all things that you can do to validate beforehand um, so that your users aren't treated like lab rats. Maybe that's the thing to keep in mind. You don't want to get in a scenario where your users feel like you're testing new stuff on them, you know, yeah. first, maybe, right? Yeah, um, and also without their without their consent or their knowledge, they need this stuff to to get their work done, you know? They're not there to play. They're there to work. And it's why I get frustrated sometimes when companies try to add a ton of new features and the software existing doesn't work that good. You know, it's broken. Mm -hmm. it, it fails. Why are you adding new features? Like, fix it. Like, these people are trying to get their work mm -hmm. done. They can get their basic stuff done. First, alleviate their, you know, let's 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 triage this, you know. Let's let's fix their, their base issues before we start adding a ton of new crap. Um, yeah. Anyway, so it, it, we talked earlier about um, that there, I had mentioned earlier, that there were a number of different ways you could look at the experiment. So different phases mm -hmm. of maybe a, a software. First being you have nothing. The next being, you know, maybe you have a software that's been around for a really long time and you want to add a feature or something mm -hmm. like that. And something you mentioned that I, I, I hope teams really take to heart is... Investing in dynamic hiding and showing based off of permissions, based off of what you can and can't see, hiding things in the application and allowing you to turn things on and off. And we had a great experience uh, working with that. Now, it wasn't perfect because um, we built it was sure. a custom built solution, but there are there are tools. There's there's one called Launch Darkly, which I, uh, I've been researching. Um, oh, is this like a third-party? Yeah, it's a third-party feature flagging system feature that has permission-based oh, cool. stuff, okay. very similar to what we had previously built. Um, I just yeah. encourage you to look into that because it's not all. You don't have to build software the same way that you know you did in two thousand and seven. You don't have to anymore. Mm -hmm. um, if yeah. you want to release fast, if you want to get things to the customer quickly, that's the way to do it. And the, the people will feel less like an, it's an experiment if you can recover incredibly quickly. Like, yep, yep, yep. you know, or you can turn it on for a subset of users and notify them, you know, that, hey, a new feature is coming on or even better, allow them to opt in to a new feature. I know we use it. We use a tracking tool called Rally and um, that's not the best tool in the world, uh, but it allows you to opt into new functionality. That's kind of interesting. How does um, it? I didn't know that. I didn't realize that. Yeah, yeah. there's buttons on there like that's try the new version. Yeah. Okay, I will. Right. It's not forcing right. me. So that that's a, I'm yeah. opting into the experiment. Yeah. So that's yeah. You know, that's the kind of stuff that I'm I'm thinking about. Like that, you're giving consent, and you can. And, and the interesting thing about that, I assume, if you're opting in, you can opt out. 
Yeah. So if you say, you know, uh, this isn't for me. I don't like it, you know. Yep. And again, you know, Microsoft does this. I mean, this is something you can go on, on Microsoft and Windows. You can get on the beta channel. You can get on the like the bleeding edge channel, which is the alpha channel, whatever, mm-hmm. where you're getting all kinds of stuff and you know there there are going to be bugs. You know, you can even incentivize and say, hey, look, if you do this thing and submit this survey about the stuff, we'll give you a month free. You know, or we'll do something else, right? Whatever it is. Um, There's certainly ways to incentivize that so that people feel like they are getting something out of it. You know, the thing that, like, I think is is frustrating for a lot of people is something, you know, like, um, I I always call this kind of like the Facebook effect. But, you know, I haven't really heard about this in a while. But this was maybe 10 years ago now, you know, Facebook was around for a really long time and the interface never really changed for, for a very long time. Yeah. And one day everybody woke up and Facebook was different and everything looked different, right? And they didn't really like slowly kind of this progressive enhancement. They just did it all at once over, you know, overnight. And people were like, I don't like it. I hate it, blah, blah, blah. And they just complained and complained and complained. And, you know, I, again, I, I still think a lot about enterprise because, uh, you know, that's the, that's, the, that's the industry that we're in. But- I think about this when someone, a company has built a process around your tool and they you, they rely on this for your for, for work on a daily basis. The last thing they want is to wake up and have it be different, without, especially without any warning. Um, and you can always write documentation and FAQs or whatever and create a video walkthrough to show them how to do it or use tools like Walk Me maybe or something that kind of has like a step-by-step guide. But you're still going to get a lot of people frustrated that, you're. what are you doing? I'm trying to get my job done and now this is different and now i got to stay late tonight because I didn't get my work done because right. you changed this thing because your UX team thought it looked prettier. You know, that yeah. kind of stuff right. um, is just what I what I think we, we should be trying to avoid. Um now, you know, it, I don't know what the answer is. Progressive enhancement, maybe you change a little thing over time and there's some plan and a roadmap. There's always going to be people who are pissed off and there's always going to be people who complain. But if you try to just limit that sort of collateral damage uh, when it comes to this kind of stuff, I think that's really important. Um, and I love the idea of like trying to do beta tests, you know, with feature flags and, and things like that. I think that's that's your best bet. And again, you know, I know a lot of companies do that, but there are tons of software teams that have no concept of that. Yeah, and it's you know, it's it's tough for for big organizations too to keep the software soft, you know, and not mm-hmm. keep it, not make it um, so firm, like firmware, you know. Um, we talked about building off of an MVP. Um, what made me think of that was, you know, we were talking through how you can dynamically change things in an application. That takes some time to build. And mm-hmm. take time to integrate and understand like the intricacies of how it could impact the people that work on the system. And investing that money may seem like gold plating initially um, mm-hmm. until you realize the benefit. And you may not even realize it until it's in production for quite a while. And you're trying to do something or an emergency occurs and you need to turn off or switch a feature and you don't have to do a deployment or schedule downtime or anything like that. It's interesting, um, you know, because a lot of times these enterprise products, they don't get the same kind of funding maybe that, um, you know, commercial products do and have the same revenue streams. A lot of times they're they're yeah. getting cost out of the company, not bringing money in, you know, so they're allocated only yep. a certain budget to do what they need to do. But yeah, I mean, the other thing that's tough for me is I don't have a picture a lot of times of what my software, the software that I work on and am paid to, to help manage and architect or whatever, is it is it doing its job? Is it solving the problem? Mm-hmm. And 
it were i mean uh, are users happy with it but also like what was it originally intended to do um well this is interesting because this is not this is not necessary well this is maybe like another way to validate right what you're talking about because what Mm -hmm. you're asking for is sort of after the fact surveys or you know reaching out to users and asking them if they'll participate in an interview and you can ask them about their experience with the tool or you can do a usability study with the tool and say let me run through a task is this you know what's the time on task you know or can we maybe decrease that or increase that or or did we decrease it or increase it from what the beginning um you know the the original time time on task was um that's the kind of stuff analytics right i mean even yeah. that kind of quantitative data the numbers you can you can look at trends and see how maybe how many clicks people were taking to get from one place to one place before or how long they were on a page before versus now you know and that's the kind of stuff that's really important what you just brought up though dude is something that a lot of people don't even think about especially in enterprise and especially these sort of quick dirty cost out jobs is is it like an OKR, objective key result, or some kind of metric or something to say, what is it we are trying to achieve with this tool? And can we measure if it was a success later? You know, and it takes a lot of time to think about those things and actually get it right. A lot of companies don't even bother doing mm-hmm. that, right? Because yeah. someone just said, go build this tool. Right. Right. And a lot of times companies judge their people based on the number of user stories that were written or the number of points that were finished or the number of features that they said they would release. And nobody at any point looks at it and says, was any of that worth it? Did you actually do something with it? Did you improve anything for anybody? You know, you're just when you when you track those things, all you're doing is incentivize people to write more stories and you're incentivizing people to write more bullshit. And you're incentivizing people to, you know, just get more crap shipped, right? And literally when I say crap shipped, you're just getting them to ship more literally crap, you know, as opposed to shipping less high quality, really great things that actually solve problems for people. And, and when you hold people accountable like that, that's when you start to change that culture. But a lot of companies, they, you know, it's, it's just one of those things like, how do you know to do that if nobody's telling you, you know? So, you know, some companies are fortunate to have consultants that come in and kind of help and a lot of, a lot of them don't. So I don't know. Yeah. It's well, certainly it's, different for every company. I'm not trying to say it's one size fits all, but yeah, it's it's tough, man. You know, I had an uh, an analogy that I shared with my uh, boss a little while ago. I feel like a lot of times, what we're trying to do is we take a shotgun, and we try to shoot it, and try to shoot it like 50 yards, and we're trying to get all the BBs to land in one little shot glass, <laughs> or have all the BBs go through the middle of the target. Wouldn't that be easier with a sniper rifle? And I tried to explain, like, like we are taking a million tiny basic hits when we could be isolating our attention on something that differentiates us as a business. Mm-hmm. And all of our attention on that, leave all this other stuff to people who, I don't know, maybe, maybe that is where we hire consultants in just to maintain this old software that just is the way they work. This differentiation mm-hmm. stuff. And that's what gets people excited, realizing that, all right, well, we have this this business goal, this, this aspirational business goal. How can we how can we actually achieve it? You know? What 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 are the what could we manifest as software or as process change to achieve that big goal? And a lot of times we yeah. start with like, well, we have 
XBC and GRX. If we mix GRX with XBC and copy the database schema, then maybe we can uh, improve KIPIs <laughs> by 20% and all over APIs uh, in years. Like, Jesus Christ, yeah. I'm falling asleep halfway through your sentence. How can we help yeah. the business? How can we, you know, yeah. the business is trying to make more money and spend less money. Will that help that? Mm-hmm. Then why are you doing it? You know, I don't know. I, yeah. I, I, I'm getting really like uh, overly passionate in my meetings at work recently, <laughs> Jeremy. You'd be sitting next to me being like, cool down, bro. <laughs> I had a boss years ago that told me I wore my heart on my sleeve. And I was like, is that good or bad? I don't understand. What you're... <laughs> and I, I took that yeah. to mean like I just get really fired up in meetings. I should probably, you know, chill out a little bit. <laughs> but I don't know. Maybe that's a good thing. I feel like wearing your heart in your sleeve isn't is sometimes good, sometimes bad. Maybe it could be bad, but I don't know. Get fired up, Derek. What the you hell? You know, it's funny because like whenever you here's the thing. Whenever you go to a CEO and you tell him what you're doing, first thing they're thinking, well, how's that? How does that help me? How does that help me mm-hmm. to make this company more money or, or build a better product for our, our customers? How does that help me? And they're very to the point. Every time yeah. they're like. Well, I'm trying to ship. I'm trying to ship engines to the uh, car engines to the people who drive the cars, and they want to drive faster. How does that make them drive faster? Get back. Mm-hmm. Get out of here. Get out of here. And the, <laughs> this is not a very nice CEO. But get your mm-hmm. ass out of here. Bring me back a mm-hmm. product that makes them go faster. And like you know that kind of thing. Uh, and so you know, it's, I think you can lose focus too a lot of times when you're so. I don't know if myopic's the word. Is that a, is that correct? Myopic? When you're very like hyper focused? I'm gonna look it up. I feel like Maybe. it's the right word. Look it up. Um <laughs> I ain't good with words, Derek. <laughs> I don't know words good. Uh but yeah, I think that <laughs> the focus should be on the impact of the work we do. And we should understand that before we touch the keyboard. I've been saying this for years. That's true. You understand you're that? Right, baby. Then you touch the keyboard. Don't touch the keyboard before you know. Yeah. What the hell are you doing? Yep. And you know? I, you know, I go back to often this idea that like a lot of, you know, software teams, this is, you know, certainly better than it was 15 years ago, 10 years ago, but there are still a lot of companies that just push their UX teams to the side and say, you make pretty pictures. <laughs> and that is so, that's a tiny, tiny portion of what the UX team should actually be doing. Um, they should be making things pretty, yes, but uh, there's there's a, a, a much you know more levels to the work that a UX designer would do or UX professional would do. So researchers, the architects, the you know product designers, all these people who think the strategists, even UX copywriters, and all these people who help keep you know the, the error messages consistent, and and people who do design systems to make sure that you know apps are look the same and function in the same way across many tools. All of this goes back to that, and um, those people can do a lot for you and help you to, uh, you know, uh, have the developers make better decisions or have the product owners make better decisions. So if you don't have a UX team, for the love of God, it's 2022. Go get on that. Get on that. All right. No more. So anyway, I don't know. Yeah, that's just something I think about. Like, I don't know, because at the end of the day, again, you don't want your users to think that they are being experimented upon. So what can we do to make, you know, their lives easier? Does experimenting on there make life easier for them? Probably not. Would that feature that you're building for them make their life easier? Yes. That's assuming you get it correct. (laughs) So how can you validate get it correct without doing waterfall and taking two years? Because if you wait two years, does it make their life better? No. (laughs) Right? (laughs) The sooner the better. Uh, The better, the better. (laughs) The more correct, the better. 
uh, and the faster the better. So I don't know. It's always a balancing act for sure. But that's our goal, Derek. And you know. This should be our goal. I'll say. Dear listener, if you've made it this far, we love you, first of all. And it's true. deeply. And it's, it's not, not a weird way, but like, you know, like really appreciate you. And um, <laughs> uh, send us how, what you think about this uh, to retrotimepodcast at gmail.com and tweet us at retrotimepod. Let us know what you think Sweet. about this. Do you like experimenting yeah. on people? Do you like treating them like lab rats? I kind of do, but I don't like to say it out loud. Okay. <laughs> Tell us what you think. What, do you what like are some to be ups and downs? Though? Yeah. What are ways, what are ways yeah. that you solve this problem? We'd love to hear from yeah. you. And you know what? Well, you in, know, in a mailbag episode, maybe we'll read your email. <laughs> if anyone sends us an email. Yeah. If you guys, well, one of you sends us uh, an email, we'll read it. That's right. Yeah, we will definitely read the one that you send us on the air. Um, you know, I think about like just, you know, remember, put yourself in your user's shoes. Build the empathy for your users. You know, as a software developer, uh, when GitHub changes something and it breaks your workflow, are you happy? Uh, does it make your job easier um, when uh, AWS changes something and it's, it buttons in different spots or the functionality changes in some way? Does it make your job easier? Rally, Jira, whatever tool yeah. you use to track stories or tickets, whatever you call them, um, does that make your job easier? And think about that and put yourself in the position of your users, especially if you're an enterprise, you know, and, and uh, make sure that you're thinking that way because – you wouldn't want to head down to you, I don't think. So, do unto others, Jeremy. Do unto others as you want them to do to your software. You heard That's it the, here first. The golden rule. The golden rule. <laughs> do to your software as you would want others to do unto your <laughs> software. <laughs> We're going to hell, Derek. Yes. If there's if there is a hell. That's from the next anyway, episode. We'll talk about we'll the out. origin of hell. <laughs> We'll see what you guys think. I'm actually that. reading a book right now. Amy got me a book for uh, my birthday. I, I really, I, this is uh, totally off topic, but I really enjoy Bart Ehrman books. And if you haven't read Bart Ehrman, um, he's a biblical scholar, former evangelical turned atheist, who now writes uh, scholarly books about um, the ancient texts that make up the Bible. So it's not, it's not, he's, he analyzes them from a, from a, a scholar doctor perspective, you know, a, 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 a not like MD, obviously, but like a, a doctor of uh, history. Um, yeah. And, uh, instead of in from a religious way, and he's written a lot of books analyzing the Bible and, and pre and early uh, Christian texts and things like that. Anyway, he, uh, <laughs> he, his newest book, Amy got it for me. It's the origins of heaven and hell, and how Christian authors came to describe <laughs> heaven and hell. And a lot of it can be compared to like old Greek texts and things like that, um, huh. ancient Greek texts. So anyway, it's really interesting. Very interesting. <laughs> so where did hell come from? I'll let you know when I finish the book. <laughs> oh, anyway, that's where that came from. That'll be a retro bite. Retro bite, your I'm trip I'm sure to that'll hell. be a really good... <laughs> that's, I feel like it's more likely that our listeners enjoy hearing you talk about basketball than any... <laughs> want to talk about uh, ancient biblical uh, scholarly books. About <laughs> we do whatever we want on here. That, that's our number one <laughs> yeah. rule. You know, the great thing about not having sponsors, uh, what are they going to do? <laughs> you can do whatever you want. Anything. Yeah. yeah. I don't make any money on this. Do what I want. I love Say it. what I want. I love it. All right, Derek. I think that's a... <laughs> It's a good time to close this out. It's Friday. I'm going to go probably have a beer or something. I might just, I don't have anything behind me. I just fall backwards and nap <laughs> on the floor. I'm not even sure. Just, just nap on the floor. That's all. Oh, floor, I'll check yeah. on you in a few hours. Make sure you're not dead. Make sure you're not concussed. <laughs> it's 
before before we go, Jimmy. Before you fall back, uh, I want you to give him a little uh, little taste of uh, one of the favorite best songs we ever wrote together. Uh, a little song called "Take a Nap." Oh God! Oh, dude! Oh yeah! All right, ready? Yeah. You gotta give me give me the beat, Derek. Wait, it was a little. It was like it was more like four on the floor. Take a nap. And then you you come in with a harmony. Take that long ass nap. Take a nap. We were in Budapest and we were so tired. We were trying to we were trying to stay awake. And Jeremy was like, "I want to take a nap. Take a nap." Take well, because the guy was listening to like techno in the car. Remember, it was like yeah, a disco yeah, yeah, techno yeah, yeah, song. Yeah, it was bouncing. Yeah, we were yeah. singing over his. Yeah. Anyway, all right, that was fun. Who was yeah. that? It was me, you. I don't remember who Matt. else was in the car with us. Matt must Matt have been. Was Matt, was all, Matt, Matt was always Brian? there. Brian was probably there. Brian was there. Bradway was Maybe there. Nate? I don't know. Maybe Nate. I don't anyway, know. That was a damn good trip. <laughs> what a trip! <laughs> all right. All right. Take a nap. Take a nap. All right. We're done. <laughs> Nobody cares about this stuff. We'll see you next time. Uh, check us out on RetroTimePodcast.com. Don't forget, get yourself some stickers, RetroTimePodcast.com slash stickers. They look great on your laptop, on your car, on your suitcase, on your ice chest, wherever you want to put a sticker. Uh, Derek says you can put them on your kid's forehead and it doesn't hurt when you rip them off. But I would argue that's wasting the sticker. Just put it on your laptop. <laughs> Tell a friend. Uh, you know, all that stuff, whatever you want to do, get follow uh, Derek's basketball ex- escapades on Twitter at RetroTimePod and uh, leave a five star review. And I promise we will get to these songs at some point. Derek, you and I should get together and just knock these out in a weekend, dude. I'd we should just that. knock them out. I feel like that'd be a lot of fun. All right. Well, I'll have to plan some time, get away from the kids for a minute, uh, and uh, and plan some time to write some songs. So we'll get those. We got so many people that are waiting for those things. We'll get them to you. Don't worry. It's on the list, but that doesn't mean you can't leave a five star review. We'll just get in our backlog. We'll get to you when we can. And I'm out. Take it easy. But I was like, okay, cool. Tell me, tell me what I can do to improve it. And we talked about it a little bit. And he was like, all right, cool, cool. And uh, I was practicing my cuts. So like, like mm-hmm. basically, uh, somebody at the at the top has the ball cutting to the basket. Um, so I played, I played pretty good. Um, I played with a lot of hustle. I play with a lot of heart, and I play mm-hmm. with a lot of uh, spirit, and that's how I roll. A lot of spirit, um, a lot of heart. Okay, yeah. And so we had a good time, though. It was actually a really good, uh, good showing. Our man Doug came out. That's good. Um, fan of the uh, fan of the podcast, Doug uh, came out, Old and he had Doug. a great fan showing as well. Doug. He has a special shot he does where he'll he'll like he'll turn toward <laughs> the basket, and he'll go mm-hmm. up with one hand, and just it seems like it seems like desperation, but I know better. He shoots it, <laughs> and like 90% of the time it goes in, and, and everybody's like, oh, Doug with a shot. And I was like, I'm like, yeah, yeah, I know Doug. Because I play him one-on-one. Awesome. I love it. Yep. So anyway. uh, Doug, speaking of Doug, let's talk about Doug for a minute uh, in sports, which is funny because it's a software podcast. But Doug, uh, for those who don't know, we work with Doug, and uh, partly why he's one of our biggest fans because, uh, you know, how else do we get people to listen if they don't if they don't work with us? Uh, anyway, we had a work event a couple weeks ago, and uh, Doug and I were were playing beach volleyball. We were on the same volleyball team, and I tell you what, Doug is hustling, man. Doug was doing a just a you know a, I don't know much about beach volleyball, but from what I know, he was doing pretty darn good. So <laughs> I'll hustle. Doug's got the hustle. He's good at basketball. He's, he's, he's good a at hustler, software. Man. He's good at he's good at uh, you know. Volleyball. I'm just impressed all around with Doug. <laughs> Shout out to Doug. He'll, he'll love Shout that we did We this. still got to write his five star review jam. So maybe this, maybe these are all things we can write about. How he's a sports, a sports legend. 
Right. And sometimes right. You do, sometimes you build software. <laughs> That's a great, like almost like like Bo knows whatever, and it's just like Doug. Yeah. You know, Doug knows volleyball. Um, sometimes, yeah. you know, basketball. Every once in a while, software. Uh, oh man, that's actually that's a great right. uh, take on it. Uh, I made this one exceptionally hard to edit. <laughs> All that weird shit we did. No, I did. I was like, I was like, hey, do something. Do this stupid thing. Hey, what about this stupid thing? Kept asking you to do things. <laughs>